Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, and welcome back to Worry Desha. We're here, you know, live on stream once again. Uh, I look haggard as fuck, but who cares, you know? Uh, joining me, of course, both in voice and in video for Across the Pomp Close is the Soul Doctor. I think he's in that direction. I'm, I don't know, I'm going points from here, but he's back! He's back! <laughs> I'm in that direction in the stream window, at least. So, <laughs> hello, I've fam. Got, got that right, at least. <laughs> uh, yes. We're both back. the The show is back on on video, on uh, live video type format. When, when when you say it's back on video, it makes it sound like you're gonna they're gonna start selling VHS tapes as a blockbuster. Definitely, like hi fi stereo, you know, sixteen um, bit color, all sixteen. There'd Tracking spared, issues spared no expense. Yeah, we we I wish we could you know. We could go for that like vaporwave sort of deal at the bottom of our uh, video and have a little like a little tracking fuzz stereo, some noise. It could be great. It could be a whole thing. We could, you know, start talking about like start claiming like the shitty looking parts of our video are, are on purpose. I'm I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> I'd be alright with that. Alright, so uh, we are indeed back, um and we're here it's good to, to be wrap back. up listeners. Um, which concluded last Friday. Now, um, because we have four episodes worth of material to cover here, what we're actually going to be doing, folks, is we're not going to be going through plot summaries as we normally would do. Instead, we're going to go through our second stream style format, which is just entirely talking points all the way through from start to finish. Um, and there's certainly plenty to discuss. Um, <laughs> I, I there is. There's waiting. a lot to talk about. <laughs> I have been waiting. Uh, <laughs> patiently to um uncork some feelings on this show um boy oh boy anyway uh what i will mention at this point is that also because this is the end of us uh this particular season of stream of thought we will be going into a new show soon enough and there'll be stuff about new formats and the way we're gonna be doing things oh yeah at the end of this live stream we're gonna be talking about that and the future of warrior death show uh, and go go site robot joining us in chat is correct it has been 84 years i mean i just woke up in a coma this morning you know like that's that's why I you know kind of like listeners has ended. It's time for me to talk about it. So I'm just going to rise from my grave, basically. You know, um, so we're going to be doing talk about that. Hello, um, go go. I will also take a preamble here just to mention that we are also going to be restructuring our Patreon rewards and offers as a result of this. Uh, so do check out our Patreon um, on patreoncom dash So uh, the benefits will change. Uh, they'll mostly be similar to what we've currently got but with some additions and some tweaking like things more efficient make it easy for us to make content uh, but if you definitely want to have a look at that and maybe you know consider helping us financially then I'd be very appreciative of you know I'm gonna I can't even spend my money on beer really anymore at the moment <laughs> because of the lockdown I'm just saying you know so it goes to a better place uh, but we are currently also using our funds to you know um help with some good causes, not least of which being uh, the, not what was the Anime Dormitory Project, but now I believe is them actually renaming it, am I right? No, well, there's an additional one. They, uh, The folks behind the Anime Dormitory still uh, do that. There's still ongoing support for uh, each year of occupants in the dorm. Um, like, they did the 2021. Um, they, they started that... Um, it wasn't around, I think, when we were uh, talking about this on the listener stream. Like, they hadn't begun mm. it yet, but but it's since begun, and you can support that. Uh, or, like, we're also, what, what we are contributing to is uh, those same folks have started something called the New Anime 
uh, system ma- or new anime making system project where they, they want to kind of, yeah, just do a whole new approach on everything to do with how an anime is made. Uh, not in terms of the technical aspects, but in terms of how the workers are compensated. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're still contributing to that going yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. So definitely do check out Patreon. All right. Speaking of Patreon, we actually have Patreon questions that are in about the final episodes of listeners. So I'll be going through them now before we get to our specific talking points. Um, the first one comes in very appropriately from GoGo Toy Robot. Um, this references an ANN interview. Um, which I actually have on screen. I will read. Uh, oh yeah, let me pull a, that up like, too. I've closed I will it. Read out some. What? Why have I done this? I can I can bring it up easily though. Well, to be fair, like the interview is terrible. <laughs> I'm just gonna come out and say that. Yeah. Um, like we I said last time, terrible. no, no, uh, no, no slight to Lindsay who conducted the interview for ANN. It's uh, yeah, li- yeah. Lindsay's Dai awesome. Sato it's was just, just a, I- a poor interview. <laughs> I think he might have just been on NyQuil or something. Maybe he'd just woken up. Who, who can say? Um, but maybe this interview. Maybe he wasn't very emotionally invested in this project, Shadon. Well, I certainly wasn't. <laughs> maybe that's the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, maybe that's one thing me and uh, Sato San agree on that neither of us <laughs> could truly give a shit about this anime. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, uh, it makes it hard. Our- it makes itself hard to give a shit about. I will say, as, oh, as, as someone who is going to defend aspects of the show, uh, it it does to like most. I how do I say this to to anime fans to to people watching TV shows, it, it and approaching this as just a TV show to watch. Like it makes itself hard to care about, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so this coming from Gogotai Robot, in Daisato's a and interview, he compares listeners to a road movie. How successful do you feel listeners is at portraying the themes of a road movie and why? So, um, ah, I think you can also mention that I seem to be a lot quieter than uh, you are, so I'm going to uh, increase the volume on my microphone. Okay. Sorry about that. There we go. I've turned myself up there, so you should now be able to hear me better. All right. So I think before we actually answer this question, though, Doc, we need to establish a common ground on what the themes of a road movie are. Um, Gogo Toy Robot actually linked us an article that was written in 2007 in the New York Times by Walter Sellers about notes for a theory of a road movie. Um, I've skim-read this before. I've not had the opportunity to skim-read it again, unfortunately, prior to this stream. Um, but for me, like, if you're going to do a road movie, you need a couple of things. First of which is you need good locations. You need good places to go, so interesting places to do. Places you conceivably, as an audience member, would want to see firsthand, maybe not necessarily be directly involved in the actions that are going on there, um, but you certainly would you know, want this to be interesting vistas. And secondly, I think you also want the characters to have a reaction to the locations, um, both in terms of just simply like being enthralled by it, so that way it mixes together well with the audience's reaction to it. Like The characters need to care about where they're going, basically, so we in turn can care. And then secondly, um, they need to also then be changed. It needs to form a part of their dramatic arc that you expect in, well, any decent story, really, where the locations, like, you know, factor into how they grow as people. So those are the two things off the top of my head that I can think of that are important to a road movie. Would you agree with that? Mm, uh, I'll say yes. Sorry. <laughs> I was fiddling with the technical crap in the background trying to make you louder. <laughs> So I haven't been able to follow along with your answer as much as I. Sorry, like, but... I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, get, I'll be getting very loud later on, folks. Don't you worry. So, um, 
but yeah, basically good locations that change the characters and fold into their, you know, Did he really and, and say this? What? Well, let's just go, let me go. Yeah, you know, he totally does. Player. He totally does. So, like, we decided to tell a road movie-like story in a fantasy world. I mean, phew. Like the last third of the show does not take place in a roving location, though it's in Londinium. So I don't know how uh, applicable that is. Um, the second half, anyway. The uh, Dorian Deja. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, Dorian. I I don't know if you're like joking or not, but even if you are, like there is a grain of truth to that that the the spooky toilet was one of the more interesting places in the entire show's run. Yes, um, yes. it was so, super. Yeah. Good. Super good. So okay, it, abandoned, um, it totally abandons this like structure. Um, basically, at the point we start covering, um, like episode nine, I would say. I mean, I guess you could argue like episode ten is sort of that, but it's also like not a real place. So they're on a farm. I don't know if so that fucking counts. what. <laughs> But you know, it's all in. I can go. I can go. I can go. I can go like you know a mile down the road and end up at a farm. Whoopty fuckity do! Congratulations, listeners. I just you think know. that's so sort of not what it, not what it's going for in the end. I'll say. The no, I, I would agree. So okay, do we have interesting locations? We, I mean, obviously we joke about the spooky toilet, but there are you know decent places like Princess City, for example. That was, in fact, I now having seen the whole show, I think that episode was probably my favorite, um, along with episode two and episode three. Uh, the rest of them just kind of washed over to me or actively annoyed me. So, yeah, but um, yeah, like we have, we do have interesting locations, and I'll credit them this. Like at least with the artists that they brought in, they did um, you know extrapolate their motifs, their visual design, you know, like, the visual imagery, like, that they cultivate about themselves, like, into it locations, like, the Pink Floyd one, like, didn't give a toss about the episode whatsoever, but at least it was interesting to look at. Um, so I think it did that reasonably well, but, you know, when I said before about the idea of there are two things you need for a road movie, there's something I need to clarify with that, is that these two things aren't equivalent in my mind, as far as, like, what's important. Um, you know, the... Having nice, visual, interesting locations to me is a secondary thing to having the characters be changed by them. I mean, like... God, I'm trying to now think of other road movies off the top of my head, and I've... Well, in case you don't know, folks, it's currently 27 degrees in my living room. I have no air conditioning and no fan on, because I don't want to have any noise getting on the microphone. So, uh, currently my brain is not working, and you may insert your own joke of when is it ever, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but like... There are plenty of road movies out there where the locations are not all that visually interesting. I mean, Mad Max is mostly, for example, like desert places. But it's got colourful characters in it, uh, so that's something. Um, But for me, like, you know, the characters being changed or affected by where they are, I don't think that ever really applies in this show. Or at least it didn't feel that way to me. Like, okay, there are lessons that some of the people that they meet in Parham, like you have Billin and Kevin, like, saying, like, hey, you know, you got this, like, you're the new generation. That kind of thing we've already discussed previously. Um, and then you have Prince's thing, which was also, you know, <laughs> uh, in itself, like, really interesting, the duality thing. And I think that's where they put the most effort in, clearly. Um, but, and this ties into a wider complaint I have with the finale. Like, first off, I don't think Echo's, like, you know, starting arc of, I lived a simple life as a junk collector and I had no ambition to think about the outside world, pays off at all. I don't think, like, he, like... 
he's like he doesn't like make any like interesting observations like through later episodes about you know like where he is and all that like it just seems like he gets swept away without really changing as a person in that way um and that's a wider problem also with the show's character development in that it just things just kind of happen to the characters rather than them being internalized particularly of what happens to Mu in the finale because well I'll get signed yeah, a bit, let's not, yeah let's not get ahead of ourselves um yeah, there's the, it's tied to a lot of things, but I think that it accomplishes the first element of, okay, there are cool places that we can visit. I mean, even Londinium, like, with the uh, hexagonal Big Ben, like, you know, serving as the military fortress, that's neat in of itself. That's good. I like that. But also, like, the last third of the show, the road trip stops. Exactly. And it doesn't even, and it doesn't even stop, really, because the characters want it to stop. Like, you know, like, it, things just happen to them, and that's kind of it. So... Yeah, I'm gonna say well, like the lack well, of they actual. They come to their like, destination interest. in some ways because they the whole road trip was about meeting Jimmy, and they come to this place where they find out, well, Jimmy's dead. There's no more Jimmy, and then like the whole switcheroo mm. comes around when Tommy is like, actually, you're now the new Jimmy because here's my evil scheme and all that jazz. And again, I, I just think this is like. Like, looking not at what Daisato says in this interview, but, like, just... Sorry, I, oh. I bumped the mic. Uh, looking at, like, the text as I experienced it, I feel like the the road stuff um, is so kind of not what this all ends up, like, really being. Like, the experience, like, mm. what's really important to it is... Yeah. So much more conceptual and honestly, like so much more to, to me, there's a lot um, of similar things that go on here that are going on in Evangelion, but they're done very much less mm. well here. Um, and I think that, you know, it is uh, at least for speaking for myself, like it's less uh like i feel those emotional punches less because um i didn't feel them all like the, the yeah i wasn't like you know invested in like the drama of what's actually happening like i'm sitting there trying to piece together kind of a narrative like what does this mean what does that mean which is probably not the best way to kind of go into this i should sort of be letting it wash over me as an experience but i was trying to do that and yet the only way I could kind of attach myself to it as, as a, as a watch was like trying to find a through line where I could kind of connect the dots on a lot of the things that are happening in the last third, which as we said, feels a lot different to the first two thirds. Um, and I think it would have all landed better if we really cared a lot more about Moo and Echo and felt their connection better. I'm near, those, I'm near for that, man. I think, yeah, sure. I mean, I think a lot of that stuff was handled pretty clumsily. You know, it's interesting that in this interview, Daisato talks about like, well, the core ideas for this stuff were gins, and we like collaborated via like a distance, like we we wrote uh, about like the world and stuff like that. And he says specifically like, uh that so 
Lindsay asked this question. How would you describe your work relationship with Jin? Do you collaborate simultaneously? And he says... Well, I have, well, I have a very bad work relationship with Jin, to be quite honest, but that's just because I keep drinking it. Oh, hey Sorry, I, I had to make that joke. Right. I had to make that joke. Come on. He keeps beating me in Marvel versus Capcom 2. I hate him. The big robot fist. <laughs> um, so... Sato says, first off, the core project was Jinsan's story and music. So we thought together about the setting of the world, the structure of the story, and the actual writing of the scripts. We shared ideas and offered feedback on scripts we wrote, a method of working that I don't really use much. So I feel like, Hmm. you know, right there is a really interesting little tidbit that the way he kind of worked on the show, he being Sato, um was different than the way he worked on things like Erica Seven, Cowboy Bebop, Ghost of the Shell. And so maybe that sort of distance he has from it, right, where he's like doing it collaboratively rather than just himself in a notebook doing it all. Like maybe that is what affected it and made it seem, I don't know. Too many many cooks? Like, not even the case of too many fair, cooks, because like you could do it that way. Like a lot of people do work that way, but maybe just Daisato does doesn't work well that way. I mean, this is I mean, he said this is like the first time, and he's been doing this a long time, a long time, mm-hmm. and like to suddenly sort of approach writing an anime in a totally different way than you've ever done. I'm not surprised that it ended up. <laughs> Uh, as a lesser, sorry, I, as a lesser I, sort of thing, you are. You say it's a lesser sort of thing is so funny um, because that, that's going to be something I'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for that question. Going with mm-hmm. robot, we'll move on to the next one, and this one comes from Kate Rose, and it goes something like this: um, For this finale, uh, what did you like best about the show? Was there a character you resonated with or one that did not work for you at all? If you had known how it would end, would you have still covered the show and your reasons why? Do you want to tackle that one first, Doc, or me? I can. Uh, I didn't really find a character to latch on to. I think that was a problem, a big problem I had with the show. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, as much as I like a lot of ideas in it and what I experienced that it was sort of kind of gesturing towards in terms of its themes. I enjoyed all that stuff, mm. especially like th- the last few episodes. Um, it got very heady, um, but like it didn't start out that way. And, you know, the kind of the show as a personal story, I think uh, was pretty, was pretty lacking uh, at least for me. So I didn't feel a lot of personal connection. So like, you know, I could take or leave a lot of the characters. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. particularly hate any of them and I don't particularly adore any of them. Um, would I have watched it? Would I have chosen to cover it if I knew how it ended? Well, that's a tricky one because I actually really like, I, I like thinking about the ending and I like thinking about kind of what the show uh, in my mind was saying and not to like reduce it to this like cube of meaning that it's trying to get across. I don't want to do that, but like th- that's the aspect of it that I really liked was all the philosophical stuff and the metaphysical bits and kind of trying to think about 
you know, ontologically, what are the the um, the airless like? Uh, oh, I wish the sh- I wish the show had been consistent about that because there are times when I felt like it was just going completely around in circles or not like sticking to the same script as to what they were meant to be. Um, but I'll go back mm-hmm. to that later. No, that's um, fair. I I think it like. I don't know. I don't know if it needs to do that. Like, I'm not. I'm not super hung up on the show. Like, not following like a consistent internal logic. Um, I'm good with that. I think that. I, I, I think, do think it would have been helped us to care about the characters and what was going on if it was internally consistent, though, as well. Well, I, like, but I don't think that like yeah. that's the be all and end all of it. Well, it, sure. I guess what I mean. I, I guess what I mean. I'll go a step further. It's not just that I don't care. It's that I think it's interesting that. The earless themselves are intentionally. I I feel like I would describe them less as inconsistent or incoherent as a concept, and more mm-hmm. they are intentionally ambiguous, such that they ah. they're like a layered concept. I think that you could look at them, and depending on kind of what you. I keep hitting my my, my uh, fucking pop filter. Sorry about that. Um, but depending on what you bring to the table and, you know, things like that, you could get a lot of kind of different takeaways of like, oh, this is what I feel like the earless are. This is what I think um, they're trying to say. And I came away with several. I was like, okay, they work on this level and on this level and this level. And of course, if you put all that together, like you, you kind of, you can't like, they can't be all those things, but like in fiction, in art, in allegory in particular, not that this is now, Mm -hmm. I don't think this is an allegory, but like just as an example of a kind of, of writing in which like this happens, like characters or forces of nature or places can be representative of ideas and things like that, but also they can be themselves, you know? And it's, and if you think about that too much, you're like, wait a minute, this character is the concept of justice, but as a character, they made this mistake. How can that be? And it's like, that's there. It's functioning at two different layers. And that's just how writing works a lot of the time. And that's, was that character, was that person of justice thing an unintentional, uh, but highly welcome, uh, Jula Richard reference. I wonder. It was unintentional. (laughs) Hey, Mira. Good to see you again. It's good to have you back. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm much of the same mindset as you in that. I didn't actually care about the characters, but I also didn't actively hate them either. And, this ties into my answer about, you know, how to know if it would end. I don't think I would have wanted to cover this because it's like stuff I've talked about in the past where it sits in that middle road where I didn't hate the show overall. And yeah, I had a pretty visceral, like, negative reaction to the final episode. Um, but on the whole, like, my overall assessment of it is that it is very milk toast. Which, when I'm saying that, when you are literally importing, like, famous artists like Prince, Pink Floyd and Nirvana in there wholesale to help, you know, sell the aesthetic and the milieu of the show, and it's still milk toast. That of itself is pretty damning in my opinion. But like I wouldn't have bothered covering it because it's not like, say, we're covering Izoken, which has so many merits, like it's still like top five for me. Uh and it's also unfair that we went on to listeners after Izoken, but hey, you know, that's just the way we roll. Um but it's also not like something terrible like 
well, Frank's, because Frank's get mentioned again in a little while, funnily enough, uh, where there are problems with it, and highlighting those problems is a worthwhile critical exercise in of itself. Like, this show has problems, but it's not actively offensive, save for one thing that I'll discuss later. Um, if I th- if, if so it's well, what I think it is, I definitely have... I think we're going to get in an argument about it. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but we'll see. I have an interpretation of it that I think is um, we're, we're, different. We're getting... We're getting back to, you know, like the way we used to be, Doc, where like I'd be, I'd be Rage Monster and then you'd be like, you know, well, actually, it's not that bad. You know, we're yeah. rediscovering our old groove here. Yeah, um, that was we so, did that a lot on this show on early on. And then then we were of one mind and now we diverge slightly again. It's OK. This is this is going to be fun. We're back. We're back to our old selves here. <laughs> um, well, so, actually, Elfin I mean, Lead is like a meditation on capital and how it's just man that 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 was on my timeline recently as people were comparing the last of us 2 to that and i'm like oh jesus that's a that's a damning like statement if ever i've heard it also one does one does not compare one does not compare something to like i almost said erica seven there but that's uh, my sense would have been true actually one does not compare elf and lead to something else lightly like you don't you don't like fire that like special bullet off my favorite that's true i'll i'll say multiple things for that one I found that entire discourse very tiring as someone who <laughs> I have no stake in, in it. I don't own The Last of Us. And I'm not in a place where I really want to play it, honestly, right now. So I don't really care. Uh, but I found it all very tiring. I think a lot of that discourse took place before anyone even played it, which was hilarious. Uh, and, not surprising either. And also, my favorite thing is when people... Because <laughs> if you looked in the replies to like... The Last of Us is the Elfin Lead of video games. People will be like, except Elfin Lead was good, though. <laughs> you, re- you really do learn who your friends are and your enemies are in moments like this, don't you? Like, right, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. ever want to talk to that person. Like, oh, uh, gonna mute God. you. Gonna mute um, you now. <laughs> block about right? No, listen, no. If you like Elfin Lead, I won't mute you. It's yeah, it's that's fine. fair. That's it's fair. fine. We had fun dunking on it once because. Boy, it just caught us by surprise how, how, um, how There's much, how very moment in the finale. That show is so itself, and it is. There is a very elfin lead moment in the finale, though, me. listeners, which oh, which oh, made me rage. No, come on, you, you, there is. On. We'll talk about it a bit, but by God, when that moment happened, I had to pause because I, I literally screamed, "What!" Like out loud, I was like, "I know you what it fuckers. is," and you're just you know not exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ugh, we'll get to it. I'm just having to restrain myself here, folks. But okay, so um, yeah, like I think overall, if I, like to answer Kate's question about what did I like best about it, like when this show was like hitting its high point with episode five and the Prince episode, like where I felt like that's the closest it got to what I think it should have been consistently throughout, which is we're going to import this artist in. We're going to use them to create this interesting, like, set-piece episode where they're in this particular place that's very, like, informed by the artist's, you know, um, persona. Both in terms of, like, how they present themselves on stage and who they were as a person and what their music was about. Um, And then in turn, we'll have characters actually learn and do something from it, you know, like, and we'll keep it visually interesting. Like, that to me felt like the peak of this show. And I wish it had been like that all the way through because I felt genuinely engaged by that episode. But the rest of them I just did not care about. Um, so, yeah. Like, that to me, like, is why I wish the show had been all the way through. So, yeah. 
purple rained on my parade, mate. <laughs> it's true. Kim, by the way, I the fact that like they refer to Prince, the other players refer to them as his purple majesty. That's <laughs> incredible. It's like, it's like okay. if I was the CEO of Twitch, I might make people call call me his purple majesty. <laughs> Or if, you, or if you were the Grimace. Right, right. If you, just, That's what they call Grimace in, in, uh, at the mascot conventions. His purple majesty. It's true. I'm, I'm sure I've seen him wearing a crown at least once before. Good God. Good God. Uh, okay, uh, so the next question comes from Mirror on the Wall. How happy are you that you're done with these shows forever? Uh, this is a reference both to listeners and yesterday, Wotase, which we'll be covering separately tomorrow. Uh, to answer in regards to listeners... <laughs> I'm like I'm not like relieved because I wasn't in a place to be relieved. I'm not covering it anymore. Really, I wasn't like viscerally angry. Save for parts of the finale, um, I'm just more disappointed. And it's that classic thing, like you know, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed in you. Um, but I'm just at least also I suppose happy that we can move on to what I will be finger crossing is going to be more interesting material going forward because, like, that's I the thing so. about milk toast, a milk toast show like this is that. Yeah, it's there, mm. you know. There's problems with it, there's things to like about it, but there's nothing that re- truly feels like it engages me or, like, you know, gets me going. So, if I am happy that this show is over, it's an, it's a bit of, like, a kind of happiness where I'm not like, you know, oh, well, thank Christ, I'm not putting myself through the gristle mill every week when talking about this piece of shit. Or it's more like, could have been so much more than this, come on. And by the way, I need to put something on the table right here, right now, with regards to my disappointment with this show. Uh, way back when we started episode one, I think it was Emily Rand, she said, like, what? Wh- how do you compare this to Erica 7? And I, at that point, had not watched Erica 7. So thanks to the uh, lockdown conditions and me working from home, I've been able to watch that entire show pretty much one episode per day uh, while doing listeners. And so I am in the position where, having freshly come off Erica 7, uh, and then also watching listeners at the same time, I can't help but let my opinion of listeners be informed by Erica 7, which, in case you're not aware, is one of Daisato's earlier shows, uh, and is also, in my opinion, an absolute masterpiece, save for certain iffy bits here and there. But generally speaking, like, I thought Erica 7 was fan-fucking-tastic. And believe it or not, like, there are references to it that, like, in a way I thought, you know, Daisato would think, hey, this is a cute reference to something I did. It's like Trigger's, like, you know, arm-folding pose, you know. Uh, right. But like I like I like I said with Frank's though, like just because you've got a like you know a studio specific power move that you like to insert, you know, in your shows, <laughs> doesn't mean that you know it's necessarily earned it. And I don't think that the Erica Seven moment that happened at the end of episode twelve, uh, before the midpoint of what was episode twelve, that's gonna be confusing, isn't it? Like, do you want to say like halfway through episode twelve? Like, do we mean do like we... the first five minutes, or do we mean, or do we mean like <laughs> that was a Damn weird? It, that was a very <laughs> weird. Uh... Yeah, it makes it difficult to locate the I've, moments. I've never felt an anime so readily admit that it ran out of material. Like, it's, it feels like, you know, when you try and make a movie and you run, like, ten minutes short, you're just like, that filled with B-roll or some shit, it's fine. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, my opinion of this finale, unfortunately, is informed uh, to listeners' uh, detriment by my how much I enjoyed Erica 7, how much I feel that this is a... Well, I'm going to get this musical pun out of the way. It's a bad cover of Erica 7. It is a bad, limp dicks cover of Erica 7 in ways that really, really but like you, made you me think, God, what a waste of time. anything that he wrote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's that's that Dai Sato just just so it's clear what Doc's referring to there um at the end of uh, Lindsay's interview with Dai Sato um he she says there are many mysteries uh, sorry no it's not that one uh you've previously written other popular mecha series like Erica 7 how does Echo and Mew compare to Renson and Erica the characters from Erica 7 and Dai Sato says when creating something I can't compare it to anything I've worked on before or any other work <laughs> or any and, other well, work ever made <laughs> And look, look. (laughs) And that's it. That's the whole answer. That is the entire, like, there was probably an awkward pause after, if that was a live interview and not just email questions. Now, here's the thing, right? Like, I'm sure, like, Dai Sato, he clearly has talent. He wrote Eric Seven. I thought it was fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to pretend like, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like that he's a, he's a, like, you know, bad at his job. Um, but like, it's a bad take. I'm also man. not going to say that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't even think it's a bad take if he meant it earnestly. But I can't help but think like that. Maybe in my own cynical brain, like when he was saying that, he just realized himself. Wow, I, I really have produced something that's just like stale bath water, isn't it? You know. Well, I know that's me being very mean and all that, but hey, <laughs> he probably doesn't uh, think that. And, but but, I guess the word compare is such a light word. You know, it doesn't mean, like, why is this one work exactly like the other? Or, like, I'm reducing this work to Erica 7 now because I make this comparison. Or You know what I mean? It's, like, Mm. to me, it's, like, this very low commitment sort of word. Like, there's a few parallels or similarities, maybe even just aesthetic ones. Um, And he totally is just, like, no, they're all unique, beautiful snowflakes don't and it's just, i just i don't know it's silly it's silly to me it, it, yeah and well you know if he won't compare them then i certainly will later in this stream sorry i don't i don't <laughs> like reducing art to like you know this is just you know thing x with thing y thrown it like that's or or you know what this is about you know a b and c it's like that's if that was true you could just write down A, B, and C on a piece of paper, hand it to me, and I could have the exact same experience as, like, watch it. But that's just patently false. Like, there's... Uh, I don't I don't oh, like oh, reducing I, I, things in that manner. Uh, oh, I, I agree, but the problem is, is that listeners is so nakedly at points borrowing from the same playbook as Erica Seven that, as I say, bad cover. No, it's... Same sheet, same sheet of music, just played differently and badly. I mean, I think it's borrowing from other things, too, insofar as, like... You know, I mean, we talk about all the time how in, sort of circular and incestuous anime can be because Erica Seven itself borrows from from Gundam and Ava and It Aeon and things like that. So, like, you know, uh, it's sort of like where does it all begin uh, and end? So, I mean, but I think, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, despite not being able to remember a lot about Erica Seven, and while to to ignore the similarities there is foolish. I mean, I think is he he Daisato really did like uh lean on that stuff heavily i do think it is its own experience with its some of its own things to say and certainly like what sort of makes it its own experience is like the aesthetic choices uh, oh yeah, the mu- that, the music stuff definitely helps in separating it from Erica Seven. Although, funnily enough, Erica Seven itself did have uh, musical references in it. No, no, not no. to the same extreme, uh, same extreme, of course, as listeners. Um, but yeah, Dice Sasso, like he has specific things that he 
brings back, even just from these two works that I've now seen. Uh, and I think comparisons are inevitable mm-hmm. and also not unreasonable. But yeah. as you rightly as you rightly point out, though, there are things to like in this show that does you know that are unique to it that aren't specific to Area Seven. Um, we'll get to those. I should answer. Was it Mirror's question? Am I relieved to be done with yes. the show? Um, I I kind of am, <laughs> just because, <laughs> like, to me, covering this show will forever be attached to sort of like the COVID era, uh... so to speak. Like that that weird, weird is too soft of a word. A really kind of uh, anxiety inducing, scary time, yeah, especially that's... in the beginning. Uh, for this myself. disjointed period of history where time just seems to have disappeared. Like, mm-hmm. I, I legitimately think, folks, like, that, okay, uh, it's now late June, and I still think it, like, last week was the end of March <laughs> or early April. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. Time perception is weird, like, you know, and, so... And not to say that it won't become that again at some point. Um, you know, I mean, cases are on the rise, of course. Um, in many places in my country, uh, so you know, oh, it's it, okay. We had we had half a we had half a million Britons go to Bryson this and Dorset this uh, today, uh, because basically, you know, I think that as much as I can criticize the U.S.'s responses to COVID, it seems like that we Brits are like, no, you know what? You might be bad here, but we can be worse. The old dickheads on beer. Uh, situation. Yeah, it really uh, it's it's all it's all my beer except the tr- the tap is now completely dry because we've been doing it over and over again. Mm. Ugh. So anyway, so uh, we'll say we'll not get into that. Right, right. So yeah, the show is sort of tied up with a lot of that and kind of being uncertain about the podcast. Um, and you know, during that time, there were a lot of like uh, scary situations in my own personal life. And so, like, listeners is always going to kind of be in the background of, like, of all that stuff is like, that was the show we were covering when this started. And he, again, even if it, even yeah. if that stuff happens again, it just won't feel the same as, like, you know, when, when all this initially was going on. So, yeah. But plus, I mean, just in a vacuum, I think that we'll, we're going to cover some stuff uh, in ways that I like more. Uh, than purely single episodic analysis and stuff that I think has the potential to be better because again as as much as this is its own thing it's it's hard to it's really hard to recommend it and it really can feel like a pale imitation of like other things that kind of do mm. the things that it wants to do uh better so that's my yeah, answer to that. As far as listeners, yesterday I don't have an opinion yet because I have not finished it. We'll get we'll get to that. But you know what's funny? How you say like about the idea of watching this show during the onset of the COVID nineteen crisis? Like, I'll just mention as an aside that like I think part of the reason again because you can't divorce the times in which you watch something from the material itself. You don't watch things in the vacuum. You don't import like you import your own experiences and memories and feelings into it. Like you know there is no pure objective criticism ever. People who want that are people who have nothing better to do and spend their days on Metacritic, and they need to grow the fuck up, basically. <laughs> but p- point being, um, like I think part of the reason I enjoyed Erica Seven so much was because it was also in turn helping me get through lockdown. Like you know, that I had something fun and exciting and engaging to watch every single day. That was also of just the right length to get through that time period. Funnily enough, um, so yeah, like we can you know divorce uh 
like you know the world around us from the the means in which we watch a show be it anime live action movie whatever i mean how many retro things are people currently rediscovering right now because of the fact there's less anime coming out in the next coming season owing to this christ like it it's an unavoidable reality unfortunately and then we have one final question this one's directed specifically to me uh this one comes from Yukinon, and this is the most predictable question from him ever. Because of course it is. Because he loves pushing my buttons. Uh, what would you rather watch when given no cho- other choice and why? Franks or listeners? Listeners easily. Wait a minute, this who is, asked this is that? Un- that was Yukinon. <laughs> L- oh, listeners yeah. easily, because... Because, oh, yeah. well, for one, listeners is half the length. That alone is a big, like, big plus point in its favour. Uh, and secondly, like, you know, for all that listeners has problems, and it has one particular element that I, we've kind of danced around and we'll get to eventually, that I think is a bit shitty. Uh, it's nowhere near as shitty as, you know, like the uh, heteronormative police, like, you know, whatever it was, coming in to ruin someone's wedding or something like that. Gosh, you know, so many. Do you remember that? So many, like, just bad choices. <laughs> Although, show. funnily enough, funnily Man. enough, as I mentioned before, listeners commits the sim- a similar crime something that Franks does, uh, which I will discuss when we get to it. Because I just keep seeing this happen, and I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, can we stop having this fucking repeating... Uh, I'm dancing around it, and obviously I should, probably shouldn't and get to it eventually, but yeah, uh, listeners every time, without yeah. fail, Length Alone <laughs> is the... Length Alone pushes it over the line, but also it's just less offensive. So, yeah. Oh, D- uh, Daisato. And- like, the resume yeah, speaks for <laughs> Like, yeah. you know... I mean that he he wrote the he wrote the anti Franks, which was Erica Seven. Yeah, yeah. The the cowboy bebops, the the ghosts in the shells, um, and there's plenty of other work. I mean, and there's some misses too. But like, you know, when when one of your big misses is listeners, I don't know. I feel like that's not as big of a crash and burn as you know, Franks. <laughs> so, but that's just me. There we are. That's true. Um, right, that brings us to the end of our patron questions. So thank you very much yep. to everyone um, for posing your questions. Uh, similarly, I just want to thank uh, both our patrons and our audience in general for their patience and understanding during this time. Um, ideally, we would, of course, want to continue doing it weekly during lockdown. But as Doc has mentioned, like there have been things that have gone in the way of that. Um, they're not things that I can talk about because they're not specifically like i won't speak and say what's happened happening in dark sand because that's his business and that's for him to keep as private or as public as he so desires um but now we're going to try and get back to a more regular routine here of doing it weekly again but with a different format which we will discuss later uh so we're gonna have some changes coming about but yeah i do sincerely thank you all very much for your patience um during this time uh with us thank you very very much for that Mm -hmm. oh and before i forget we should also commemorate the fact that we passed 500 subs yeah i just 500 things. We passed 500 things. I, I, I stammered. We passed 500 subscribers. Sandwiches. Thank you. So, yep. Ooh. 500 subways. Uh, 500 subway footlongs on YouTube. So thank you very much, everyone, mm-hmm. uh, for doing that. That's really, really kind of you to do. So uh, if you've not already subscribed, you know, might want to go over there. You know, keep keep the numbers rising. You know, I like, I like big numbers. Keep them coming. All right. Talking points. <sighs> um, yeah, we're not going to do a plot summary, as I mentioned. So we're just going to get straight into the talking points. We're going to assume you've seen it all. We will provide context for the points we're talking about. So at least you know what we're getting at. We obviously won't explain the plot in full uh, because we'd be here for two hours of just reciting the plot when, you know, Boo gets maced and turns evil. The end really could be my quick summary there, <laughs> you know. 
I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Doc, but I feel like I'm pretty on the mark there. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on the how you're looking at it. Like, well, I'm, oh, I'm just being very, very snide. I admit. <laughs> like, because um, there's, a, you know, like what what plane are we talking about? <laughs> the events occurring on, right? <laughs> oh, no, there's. God. I think there's. I, I think there's more to it than that. But look. Mm-hmm. I'm not. This is not a hill that I'm willing to die on because I don't think it's worth nah. um, all that fuss. But I think that Things there's. A, I think that there is something happening. Like I don't think it's just a bunch of noise and bullshit and dribble. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Then uh, right. Do you want to go first with your talking points? Or, no, you uh, go ahead. Shall I take? You go first. Right. Okay then. So I'm going to get one of the relatively minor complaints I had out of the way here. Um, But it's funny how, like, when I was thinking of this problem, like, that it made me realize retroactively that it had always been a problem, Um, which is strange. And it's the reason I say it's a minor one is because when we talk about mech shows, like, you and I discussed this when we talked about Erica 7 on our After Hours podcast. Uh, The cold truth of it, or rather a cold way of looking at it, I suppose, is that the mech element is just the uh, the sauce that goes on top. Like, what really matters is the character interplay that happens. Like, you know, when two characters fight in a mech... I'm like, rethinking this position time- <laughs> that I've already <laughs> put out there on our other show, but but yes, this is what we said. Yes. Yeah, that, like, you know, it could potentially just be replicated by having them fist fight, for example, or, you know, have a gun battle mm-hmm. or something like that, really. Now I'm not trying to devalue uh, this. I'm not saying that there is no value aesthetically, or even just for sh- in terms of sheer enjoyment from um, it being a mech battle. Like they could be fantastic. Don't get me wrong, um, but this is also why I say this criticism of mine is lesser relative to the other major problems I have with the show. Uh, but I want to put it out there: like Echo becomes a player. Uh, that in of itself, I thought was a crock of bullshit because it just seemed to happen out it, of nowhere. And it did. Uh, it did happen before to someone, right? To one of the Sex Pistols guys. They yeah, but like that just happened. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, come on, guys, you know. But the problem that I have with this is it robs Echo of the specific role he served in the pairing with Mew, which was that he was like the technician and she was the pilot. Um, and I think that that is such a waste that they didn't actually do anything with that. Uh, and that's why I say this is a retroactive complaint because if you think about it. Like, we didn't really see, for example, I can see scenes like if this show, like, hey, you know, like Echo's tinkering with the robot, uh, he's adding new things to it, new parts, new weapons, etc., etc. Uh, and then, like, you know, one of them backfires because he's too enthusiastic about adding new things to the robot. And then, like, it doesn't work in the battle, and he's like, you know, you've got to take this more seriously. I know this is your hobby, but now our lives are on the line. Blah, 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 blah. But that's the point, though. Like, him becoming a player, apart from the bullshit in of itself like that that point has it just goes to show that that relationship where he i would have hoped to have actually been more like the technician he was meant to be like you know building enhancing the kit repairing it etc like that was never really a thing in my mind and i feel that's such a missed opportunity because it could have not only as i say made for the more interesting robot fights because if you think about it we got top boost and that's it okay cool whatever you know where's where's more interesting things being happening with the robots where's more visually creative stuff like right. Uh, and it really didn't. On top of that, it really didn't like yeah. hold up its end of the bargain on that end in terms of being like the robot fights were lasers. That's basically. I mean, it. you just when you thought, at least I thought, uh, when at the end of the first episode, maybe it's the end of the second when they're leaving Liverchester on the train, and 
you know, you see mm-hmm. the new Bowton sisters in their robots. Uh, just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like there's going to be a bunch of robots and they're going to have like duels and it could be cool. But, but again, like it just didn't end up being about that. So yeah, that, that is a point. The, the, the lack of robot action, um, you know, and like you said, at the end, it really does just sort of become the gunbuster final battle writ small where it's, it's just like two big swaths of, uh, you know, some good guys, some bad guys, like lasers, lasers, lasers. Um, and then it becomes like mm-hmm. a one-on-one fight between Moo and, um, uh, echo, but like, it's not really a mecha battle. It is, but it isn't. So, <clears throat> Yeah, I think, but but him becoming a player, I guess I don't, like, I don't, I, I have ceased to have a problem with that because, again, I don't think that this show is really about, like, you know, let's have some, some hard and fast rules that we stick to and, like, really play in, like, the real world, you know? Like, it is mm-hmm. clearly willing to forego that stuff to to kind of... Uh, make statements or uh, kind of create images that that it, and and evoke feelings in you that it wants to. Because I mean, I think like I, I don't think I mean if you did want to be like, well, why why could he become a player, right? And and why did that one guy become a player? You could just be like, well, you know, it just happens when to to someone who like purpose in life or whatever or goals like really crystallize in a way for them and they have like the will and the means to achieve them or something like that like you could you know figure something out to cobble together yeah. some kind of definition I'm not, I'm not even, um i've never really hung up on that particular point in the echoes case but as i say my main criticism is that it robs him of what made him interesting and unique in the relationship you, between him and me. you just prefer gender roles to be one thing like how they are (laughs) and and they can't change them i know i know i know you joke i know you're joking there i am totally joking no i'm completely joking um what i uh, what i couldn't really um wrap my head around was like why in the post-credit scene is echo not a player anymore I hadn't even thought about that. Like, but then again, so everything, that, every, every, everything that happens after the post-credits, in my opinion, is either needless fluff or confusing or downright bullshit. Uh, so, you know what? Just add that one to the list. It's like the sort of... It, it, it is um, a move that I'm not the biggest fan of. That like, But I don't know. I mean, I, get, I, I guess I can kind of see how people like it that... At the end, whenever like the romantic kind of interests have overcome these huge obstacles, um, it's important to then at the end have this scene that shows like, well, things are back kind of to how they used to be, right? Like the relationship is, you know, Echo's not a player. He's making inappropriate things happen with his naivete because he's like, look, oh. the hole in my back is, is gone. Check it out. And Mahu's just like, oh my God, stop. Like, I'm so mad at you. It's like, oh, these kids, I felt, I felt that was just a... like they used to be, just like they were. But I don't like that. I, I don't, I like, I think would rather see a change like oh these things that happened made a big mark on our lives and yeah, like I, I, yeah i mean the, the, the world has changed them yeah the world has changed but they haven't really 
Um, I guess it's comforting although I did find it fit, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I did find it fitting that, you know, uh, Echo showing uh, you his ass and collectively the audience as well was a, like a send-off for the, like, this shows how the show felt towards us, I reckon. No, uh, no I, I kid. That's me being mean. Jiro, I don't think it was a season two setup. It was just very much like, no. a, it was the period on the end of the sentence, very much. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was puberty that did it with Echo as well, because, the because uh, you know, what was his name? Uh, Johnny Rotten, Sid Vicious. Whoever the, whoever the fake Sex Pistols were, like, you know, they that happens to them, and they're clearly above, like, that age threshold, so... It basically happened because the plot needed it to happen. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, it's... Right. That That is that is a way that you could say it, right? <laughs> um, that, again, if you were, look- Even, if you were it, looking for it to be, like, you know, ironclad uh, logical, then it's it's not that. You know, it's just... It, it wanted to do a thing and it, it did the thing. So, yeah, I just wish Echo did more actual work on equipment. Like I say, mm. give it, give new attacks. And then, as I said, like in my suggestion, you can have that then drive some actual drama where he's not taking it seriously enough. The thing he installs doesn't work, but you get snide, blah, blah, blah. You can do stuff with it. There's interesting things that can be done here, but they decide at the end to make him a player. And I'm like, well, that's it. Him doing the fiddling with the equipment and him being the technician is no longer a part of that. And the interesting part of him is now gone. Fair enough. There are thanks for that. Yeah, I think my biggest criticism with the show. Well, I don't mean maybe I won't even say that. Maybe I'll think of bigger ones. But a criticism that I definitely felt um was how disjointed a lot of the story elements felt to me. Um and yeah. I'm not usually I'm not usually someone who is super bothered by different aspects of the story not like sort of uh achieving like super tight levels of cohesion where like everything means uh something in relation to another thing in the story or everything supports uh or has a reason for being i mean i think um that again is like i think that that's just like a way to look at art where you're like only looking at the content and and mm-hmm. ignoring the form and aesthetic really and sort of relegating it to sort of second class citizen citizenry of like that's style and like substance is like the real shit you know and um so um what was i saying oh yeah right but so like there's like this whole whole big aspects of the story like the road trip stuff right like mm. we that i felt didn't really help what uh it helped the show accomplish what it wanted to at the end i i don't think the music it's really funny because i think that the aesthetic choices of the show are valid and important to the experience of the show mm-hmm. but like i also don't think that um that it being about particular sort of style of music right or even music in general needed to happen to create a show that's that was like saying the things that this show says which i'll get to what i think it actually saying in a moment i guess but but yeah i mean i i think that the the music stuff very much like we were talking about the robots you could have kind of swapped it for like a different aesthetic um motif 
and in my opinion, like come up with, uh, like if you're only sort of looking at this as like the meaning it generates, you could, you could get an equivalent generated meaning out of a thing with, uh, with different, um, sort of glue aesthetically uh soccer yeah and and so and and yeah all kinds of things i mean like i think the the moo and echo relationship it felt really again disjointed like there's a time when they're building it and then there's this time at the end when you were supposed to be like as an audience we're supposed to think boy like they sure love each other and you know Oh, if, if only they could get back uh, what they what they had, right? What they lost, so they could reconcile. But it's like, you know what, what did really they really have? Me. Like, yeah. I... yeah, exactly. Like the thing, the thing that gets me about this as well, though, is that the thing that like causes them to separate or like go different ways. It's not anything to do with them having a fallout or like conflicts between themselves. It is forced upon them. Yeah, I'm not saying you're right. You can't no, do you're right. Story. You actually are really right about this. I think like they become these kind of like stand-ins for uh different parts of the big ideas that the show wants to say like we need well basically we, echo we, echo's meant to be a human and moo's meant to be an alias and it's meant to be about the two things coming together um, yeah, I think it's meant to be. Yeah. I've got. Pro- I have. Yeah, it, I have problems with that, but I'll get to that later. But like, yeah, like they they are not. I mean, okay, Dice said he didn't want to compare to Erica Seven. Or like, I will. So if you want to like, you know, superimpose your own Erica Seven comparison counter in the top right or top left corner of the screen and have a little ding noise, you know, maybe I'll make a swear jar out of it, perhaps. Uh, then you can do so now because this is the first one. Like Renton and Erica, like when they had conflicts, they were conflicts that were brought on because of their behavior towards each other. Like, Renton acting like a dick sometimes, but then he obviously learns me, grows me, blah, blah. Like, that's what drives their relationships, like, getting stronger over time, because they have things that they do towards each other, or themselves, that force them apart and then come back together again. But in this case, Boo is essentially separated by the government from Echo, is maced, and she goes psychotic as a result. It's not because of anything Echo has done or not done, or anything that she's done or not done, for that matter. It is entirely external circumstance to Osman. And that, to me, makes the reconciliation in the final episode completely hollow because there was nothing that divided them because of their own actions to begin with. Yeah, and I, I just didn't feel the stakes either. You just sort of no. knew, like, okay, they're coming back together. At least that's how I felt. And and again, I just think you're, you're, you're so right about that. Like, it feels like the writers really kind of enter the world at that point and grab the chess pieces that are Moo and Echo and they're like, okay, we we need to do something. We want to do this thing with you. So we're taking things out of your hands and we're going to put you against each other to kind of tell this story about like integration and, and difference and all that sort of stuff. But like, I, I think that that is a real, that's a really damning thing for this particular show. I think it's a it's a hypocrisy, honestly, because there's a point in in this when uh, to kind of bring to bring Moo, I guess, back or to like fully let her know that, hey, I'm Echo. I'm this other person who's acknowledging you. One of the things he tells her is, you know, you God fucking 
top filter again. Ding. Um, Ding. <laughs> we'll make a count for that too. <laughs> One of the things he tells her is, uh, like, you are more than, like, you're not reducible to, like, your role in history, right? You're more than um, sort of uh, what you are in this big grand scheme. Like, you're you. And the fact that, like, the writers go back on that in such a fundamental way, it, it like, robs them of their humanity to make them pawns in this arc, right, to uh, about this sort of thing. I mean, it feels so hypocritical. You know, he's telling her, like, your individuality is what makes you you like you're important like not not just like your role in some narrative that someone has concocted when their own individualities when their humanity as characters have been stripped from them so they could play these fucking roles in this narrative um yeah it's uh, that that it hurts i i i don't know if i necessarily want to go into my problems with the f- resolution just yet because i've got many many of them but uh that is certainly one of them um and yeah it fucking sucks that they had no way to like there was no way that i could see if they could divide the pair like you know when renton like you know makes a comment to erica like you know like you're less than human or something like that and that's a part of her character out where she's as a, not to repeat too many of my points from after I was here, like, you know, where she's conflating being human with having humanity when in reality you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing going on there, you know? Uh, whereas here there's no anything I could, like, in the show's runtime, and this is another problem, I think that for all I can complain about the actual content of the show, I do have sympathy for it being limited in terms of runtime. I mean, big, comparing like to Erica 7 is admittedly unfair because, simply because of the length factor. You've got 50 episodes in Erica 7 versus 12 here. It's an apples to apples comparison, but one apple is much more massive than the other, basically. <laughs> a miniature So there, there is a certain unfairness. Yeah, there is a certain unfairness uh, in comparisons like that. So just bear that in mind when I make these going forward that I have to concede that Erica 7 had a lot more runtime. And in turn, I think that listeners should have had more runtime. Um, along with some other changes. And also caveat here, or rather just a little preamble on like I'm trying as a critic to move away from suggesting what I would have done differently, because I do, as I've said before, think there's a certain amount of arrogance saying, I know better than you, blah, 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 blah. But I'm just trying to hopefully to try and frame it as, like, you know, ways which it would have made the show better and, like, what's wrong with it, rather than just being an ego thing. So uh, I apologize for what I'm going to be saying going forward, but I am at least trying to be self-aware of it. All right. So um, let's see. My next talking point. Uh, I'm going to get this out of the way because I want, and this is also going to lead into a little something else, but I want to address how that moment where I went, what, uh, was when uh, the Sex Pistols suddenly and inexplicably were alive again. Oh, that's even not though what I'm I thought confident. you were going to say. <laughs> Whoa, okay, okay, okay. Hit me. Tell, tell me why this that, bothered you. That, because they're just alive again when they were dead previously. Well, okay, there's more to Grandma's it Grandma's fault. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's more to it than that, but like, the problem I hit, like, near in my opinion, like, I, I, I echoed, <laughs> I, I spoke of a, a lot, like, in episode four about the problems I had with the portrayal there, but, like, I'm going to move away from even comparing Nair to Kurt Cobain or any of the Nirvana-related stuff for the stuff I'm going to talk about now, and just talk about why Nair is undercooks as a character in general. First off, the only thing that Nair really does in the show's run is get mad at Mew for killing them, uh, you know, the Sex Pistols. Uh, a sentence I never thought I'd in my life, but here we are, you know, we're breaking the ground. <laughs> 
And, you know, Kirk Cobain watches the Sex Pistols die and wants to murder this anime girl. You know, who'd have thought? Um, but, like, that I, I, as I said before, even when that happened, like, I hate the idea of misunderstandings like this that don't have any payoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, Mew's going to go fight Echo. Uh, sorry, no. Nier's going to fight Mew. And, you know, I at least it, it, Nier didn't die. I thought that was totally going to happen. But nothing came of it. Like, Nier fights Mew and so what? What what actually came of that? Was anything substantial? Oh, let you me know? think. Let me cast my mind back. Uh, Nier gets a bloody eye, right? Yes. Um, okay, that's one. Maybe, okay. Okay, hear me out. Maybe the idea was... So I guess it just depends, right, on what you think Moo represents here, right? Or or if you think she represents anything at all, or the the earless. Um if so so at one point, um when in episode ten Echo is learning about the origin and the history of the earless, right? How they came about, they just kind of appeared and it seems like you know, we get a couple different accounts, right, of of what things were like for the earless and how they ended up uh, as this oppositional force to humanity. The one given by, um, what's-his-face, the farmer guy uh, in episode 10, like uh, Jimmy's uncle or whatever, um, and mm-hmm. uh, and Janice's uncle, too. I like Janice. Janice was all right, by the way. Um, uh, I've, got, I've got things to say about uh, the Stone Free. <laughs> the stone enough, and that's the family Stone Free. Um, uh, there was no Sly. Uh, maybe the calf that they helped birth, they called Sly. Um, but, um, okay, so we, we find out, right, that uh, that um, the, the earless, uh, they were kind of hanging out with humanity, and humanity is like, ah, we fear you. And, you know, the earless took that pretty hard. And humanity was like praying for something to help them, and the origin appeared, and they were able to through the origin, which I guess is like music, right, or art or expression or whatever. They're able to like express their feelings, and they expressed a lot of negative feelings, rage, and all this stuff. And like the the earless sort of came to like they fed on that. They uh, you could almost say they came to embody that. Like they took on the sort of full weight of negative human emotion. You look like you're going to sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I just had an itchy eye. Um, <laughs> and I just want to point, I just want to mention, by the way, the origin. Um, I am very disappointed there wasn't a small dog next to it because then it would have been the HMV, his master's voice logo. <laughs> right. That would have been a neat reference. Sure. That would have been a neat reference. That been, but it's yeah. just a grammar. It's just a gramophone. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. hey, and, uh, and also I'll just point out like, okay, yeah, you've got the gramophone feel I like, but that's not the origin of music. Like what you're talking about there is the origin of easily like, you know, replicating and distributing music media. Sure, Different sure. Thing. Well, I mean, it's but it's, that's my that's that's a matter. It doesn't. Well, I mean, it's not meant. It's representative of something, right? Like you could make an argument for it. Look, it look, it looks cool. For different go. stuff. Yeah, I mean, like what when objects of worship, they're arbitrary, right? Um, so anyway, um, you could say like that the the earless kind of came to take on the full weight of negative human emotion, and that is what everyone is fighting against in the end and you know you say like what is the point of what near did well i think that 
all the different players took these various different approaches to fight uh, the Earl. They had these different reasons. And the reasons here, more so than the actual battles and tactics, were what was important. Like, the My Bloody Valentine people, they were they had this, like, long sort of uh, standing guilt. They felt, like, responsible for you know, running away last time and for, um, you know, Billen felt responsible for what Moo had become because she had kind of foreseen it, but she let it go. You know, Prince Denka, his purple majesty, uh, he, his big reason was he would like subsume all these negative emotions with love and just destroy them, blot them out, like use the love blasters. And, you know, they all kind of had their, and near, uh, fought with an even sort of more what what they thought was this even more powerful negatively emotionally fueled hate. This is fighting hate with more hate, right? Like fighting the sum total of negative human emotion with like their own desire for Philly revenge. Sanga. And it, you know, it's just to be, to, to you know, again, it sucks because it feels like you are it feels like you're doing down the characters that you're sort of saying like here is your entire purpose for the story or whatever but for this part the way that I read it was that near fighting against Mu here accomplished like you're meant to be showing that there's all these bad ways to approach this problem and Echo uh, had the the approach that was a good one and brought healing and brought integration and brought like the, you know, on one level, different beings on another level, different sides of the cell, like, you know, however you want to kind of interpret it, like was uh, integrative mm-hmm. rather than destructive. Everyone else had these different kinds of destructive approaches and that just mm-hmm. yielded bad things and defeat so that's kind of like what i thought near's whole point in that uh not not that's sort of a bad way to say it but the point you were saying of that scene near fighting move well i should i should respond by saying i actually hadn't thought of it in that way and i see where you're coming from and i like it so yeah thank you for pointing out like i do agree with you there but that doesn't mean that you know near couldn't have also had something for the her own character oh, totally i yes that I, that I mean, this leads into the wider yeah. point, which is I like. I wish they'd done more with her, and I'm not talking in terms of like again divorced entirely from the Kurt Cobain stuff. Like I don't care about that anymore. But this made me realize something that I really, really think this show should have done because it would have also made the sense of betrayal felt by uh, near much more palpable and much more like you know in- empathetic for the like invoking feelings from the audience um, because okay. Putting aside the fact that, you know, Mew was maced, and that's why Mew's gone crazy. Obviously, Echo... Sorry. Obviously, Nier doesn't know that. Uh, so, I'm fine with that from a writing perspective that Nier's operating on the faulty info there. That's what happens, you know? People have false perception all the time. But I think that, like, the response that Nier has, like, with these people that she's only known from one episode, uh, <laughs> and doesn't even think, wait, why Why has Mew, why has Mew gone psychotic? Like, that... All found fell a bit. Off to me. I know, I know. You know, yeah. you know, you know what they should have done though, and this is going to be me comparing. Um, 
Well, here's the thing. This is going to be me comparing uh, this show to, of all things, another road anime. Uh, although you might not think it's a road anime. Uh, Made in Abyss. Have you seen that, Doc? I can't recall. I've if you seen have. part of it. They do walk down mm. the road. I don't know how much I can. S- <laughs> all right, I can keep the spoiler free then for Made in Abyss for Doc's sake. But basically, I think that Nir fulfills the same kind of role in the show uh, as Nanachi um, from Made in Abyss, a character you will not have met yet. Uh, I will say no more than that. Um, but what this makes me realize is that what they should have done is after episode four, Nair should have come with Echo and Mew. Mm. And then they could have had more character interactions as a result, which would have helped sell the sense of betrayal later on. Rather than just having Nair pop up again and having us, you know, like try and care about what's going on like with her and the sex I think this is something they should have done because part of the road trip thing as well is the potential for picking people and taking them with you. So I think that's a real missed opportunity there to keep this character in because that would have also helped with the problem that I have with the show in that like the artists appear and then they disappear like from pretty much the rest of the show like they've done their bit and they're gone. Like at least that would have broken the mold a little bit. We could have had ongoing things like wait, okay, there's like, okay, I was, you know, I was being used by Hole. Uh, Courtney Love, whatever, you know. But now I'm with two people who actually like me for who I am and they and we're friends and all that. And then, oh no, Mew's like gonna kill two of people that I liked and there you go. That, to me, felt like it would have sold that uh, betrayal much more. And they also should have completely not undone the fact that the two were fucking killed. Thanks for that show. I know you wanted to give Nira an emotional payoff like at the end where like she got something nice out of all this. Uh, but you don't also have to completely undo any sense of drama or why I should have given a shit for all of it. That's just that's bad writing, in my opinion. I can't disagree. I I don't. Again, I I wasn't like actively offended that they showed up. I was just sort of like I roll lol. But like, it is. I I I can't disagree with you. I can't argue with. It. <laughs> I can't argue with it. Yeah, it's it was very. Um, it it was an, a very, at best unnecessary <laughs> to do, I think. Yeah, you know, um, don't like undermine the pet like the dramatic beats of your story, even if it is in the closing minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a bit shit, to be honest. But yeah, my wider point is they should have had a near join Echo and Mew on the road trip from episode four onwards, rather than just disappearing. You know, that'd been interesting to see, uh, and also funny enough, it's then does confirm that Nia's assertion that all players lose their mind in the end was crap because the only reason that Mew lost her mind was because she was maced. Right. I mean, again, yeah, I, I think how they got swept up in in this was very poorly done. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know what sort of, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna do the thing where we're like, you know, we're going to be the mimetic interpreters and like everything has to like represent something like the purple haze. Like I don't slash teen spirit. I mean, what, like what was, what was the payoff meant to be of of that? I kind of don't know what the upshot is here. I mean, was it, well, the only reason that that happens to Mew in to begin with is, as I said before, because there's nothing that the writers have conceived of to divide her from echo. Right. They have to force the, the it's to make the plot happen again, but they used it before. So, like, what was the? But you know, I mean, is it? Well, that's because they knew full ahead of time that, that they couldn't find a way to divide them properly. So they had to at least do the 
baseline of establishing Mm -hmm. ahead of time like what it does so good on them for doing that at least but i wish they'd done something other than that or at least had some build up like veko and mu like going their separate ways or having fights or arguments like that truly divide them and then you could have still had the gets maced goes insane kind of thing and then there's a justified emotion behind it because like so but there isn't doesn't at one point and i know it's been a minute since you've seen the episodes but correct me if i'm wrong here you or or people in chat Near is talking to Tommy when Near realizes Tommy has his purple haze and that's how Moo was, you know, has come under his influence. Near says, like, you're the one making me crazy. You're the one making the players crazy. Is this supposed to be some sort of like commentary on like, um, I don't know, like the music industry or kind of oh, corporate I, I, anything I, in there. I don't know like it just my mind was like I don't, racing I, but like I I, I don't give any credit to this show trying to make a riff on the music industry. And, and there's a very good reason yeah. for that that I'll get to when we talk about the Stone yeah. Freeze. Again, I, um, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the music. I feel like it's almost like the Christian symbolism in Evangelion. I think that there's a little bit, I mean, since, wallpaper. since they're actually, I mean, well, I was going to say this show actually does bring in musicians, but Evangelion did bring in actual angels. Um but it is sort of similar, right? I, th- I think, um, in that, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't lead anywhere um, narratively or mm-hmm. when I'm trying mm-hmm. to piece together, like, the kind of mm-hmm. meaning and message in, in, in the show. Mm-hmm. Divorced from the aesthetics, can I, so it feels a little can bit. Can like I throw that in? Me. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I need to. I need to throw in one quick aside. By the way, uh, I called it, or at least I feel like I called it. I love how Echo sound sickness in episode six doesn't come back again. Holy I fucking shit. knew it! As as soon he, as soon as he like, supposed to become, he just came to an alias, <laughs> and it never came back. The, 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 I fucking the, the knew it. I, I knew it as soon. Yeah, again, that's wow. something that's being put in to make the plot happen because they can't think of interesting ways to divide the characters. So they have to have some arbitrary bullshit happen that doesn't come back. And that got on my grill, that. Wow. And again, I'll compare to Erica 7. Ding. You know? Erica, throughout much of the show's run, specifically after she meets Nemony for the first time, is often quite unwell. And guess what? That does play into the character's dynamics with her and Renton, you know? Mm-hmm. that's actually a thing that it really appears consistently and is used to actually drive drama whereas here echo having sound sickness wherever the fuck that is uh it appears to make something happen in that episode and is never mentioned again i mean i'm sorry to say this but like if you want to put something in there that's so crucial that like and also unresolved at the end of that episode and you don't then bring it back maybe don't write it in to begin with so that is it- this is a rocket science yeah i mean i'm Right. Yeah, you know, I don't want to do the gotcha plot hole thing, right? The the cinema sin style criticism. Uh and cuz well, it's like, it's, like, it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. Like that, it's not like that. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm prefacing but only to going to say like I don't I, that's not what I think you're doing, right? I mean, I I don't think it is like that. Um I think I could at least unlike that prick cinema sins, I could at least expand on why I'm annoyed by this because it could have been used for actual decent drama. I won't simply point it and say it's there. I'll say, 
you know what? Like with Erica 7, maybe Echo getting six towards the end of the show could have been sure. used for dramatic effect. It does feel forgotten about. I mean, it's it's not a thing I'll super hold against the show, but it it does feel like someone just forgot that they wrote that <laughs> and they did not revisit it again. Pretty much, yeah. Very weird. God. Um, yeah. And I and funnily enough, both Sophie and uh, Yuki have mentioned in our chat, it's like the sickness in Frank's where it just kind of gets forgotten about, but at least, to Frank's credit, a, a thing I didn't think I'd be saying, maybe lockdown really has driven me mad. Uh, at least it came back fairly consistently for all it was bullshit, as opposed to being a thing that happened once and then never returned. Well... I mean, okay, the sound sickness thing, I'm just mentioning in hindsight, like, it's not a big deal relative to the other problems that I have with the show. But I think that, it, but I do think that it speaks to the symptom of, uh, of the wider disease in this show, which is that things just happen. They happen to make things happen, and then the consequences of the forgot about, and then, or, in terms of, like, dramatic or narrative potential, they're not then revisited mm-hmm. or made decent use out okay. of. Like, the show comes up with ideas that it doesn't then, to me like, adequately come back to and reuse, whereas Erica 7 did many, many times over again. Ding. Mm-hmm. You know? Third comparison there. So, a thing that I... Here's the thing I like about... Um, a, a talking point I like, and we are approaching... So, I've got about 40 minutes left on my clock. Right, I'll have to fast so, forward it through mine. Um, a thing that I like is... You know, I mentioned that in episode 10's account of the earless... Um, you know, they say uh, the earless were just these different beings and then they became hostile toward humanity because they were feeding off of all the, the negativity and the rage and the fear. And they like they just swallowed that and they embodied that and they became that. I th- It's the Grim from Ruby. What's that? It's the Grim from Ruby. So I love so the I kind of love this show. idea that um it's a little scary. But also really interesting to think about, like, being in a universe where your emotions, your feelings are um, more than just uh, chemicals reacting and synapses firing Mm. in your brain. Like, that there sort of is some consequence, not to say that there is not a consequence to like well well there's not just a feelings right there is if we turn them into words or actions but the fact that there's some sort of consequence to human feelings right like out there in the world apart from your your mm. body and your brain is really interesting and kind of frightening to think about um that you could kind of create your own destruction based on uh all these sort of negative impulses and sort of cycle of you know poisoned feelings that you kind of keep going through um you know if you were really didactic you could turn that into like a a finger waggy kind of lesson um but just as a, Mm -hmm. a science fiction concept i think it's interesting to think about i think that's a neat idea um i just wish the show had backed that up more um because there aren't many episodes in which like we actually see characters doing a lot of like negative emotion kind of so okay nirvana episode definitely but the prince one like that's the city of love why do they get attacked by the earless then i don't know oh yeah um, no it, it's also um, could... right like the the weird thing about that history is that it it sort of makes that seem like that was 
that was a one-time event and the earless are now irrevocably changed like they kind of started at this point of innocence and then they got Mm -hmm. to this point of hatred and that's just it right i still don't really know why they're drawn to certain places in the show maybe moo does it um but but yeah it's not like the show is saying they'll only attack people that are feeling hateful or whatever like i don't think it 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 goes into that it's just like this is how they became uh what they are at one point a fixed point in time it is true that you've got to be careful about how much world building you put in where you have to over explain the rules as you say like i mean for all that i complain like that you know echo becomes a player out of nowhere like you know what like compared to the problems around the show that's small fry and there are times in which you know hard work and guts that factor we'll call it right. can work yes you know that's that's why right. it's just hard work and guts factor you know it doesn't it doesn't need to have like a diegetic explanation it's just something that happens you know what? i'm okay with that but i think that part of the reason like i would be okay with that elsewhere but i'm not here is i need to be rooting for the characters yeah. and as i said i think it robbed i think it robs echo of like what makes him unique which well anyway i just don't think right. we came to uh, care i we have... just did not come to care about him couldn't no. do it. I mean, maybe. Well, that, maybe if we watch that's part of the fault. Sorry, go ahead. That's part of the problem with the road movie thing, though, is that you know Echo doesn't seem to have much of a like response, like that contrasts his old life with the new one as we go along. Like he arrives at Princess City, starts working there. Like I don't recall him mentioning, for example, like you know this is far better than me like getting junk out of the Chester's like scrapyards, like or anything like that. Uh, it's just a place they arrive at, and then it's business is kind of usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, for sure. It's I This this also kind of speaks to a problem I have with Mew in that she has a line, I think in episode nine, I think it is. And it's after she gets maced and she has this slight scene that I think is really interesting with like the mirrors with her and Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Um and she says, like, when I met when I I thought that when I beat you I'd come to I'd had all sorts of things I wanted to learn about myself. And I had to pause the episode and I went, like what? Like what? Mm-hmm. What do you want to learn about yourself? What? what you, where's this character conflict that you're telling us you've had that I have no evidence for? In fact, if I recall correctly, your entire character, which I thought was at least refreshing at the start, was you didn't give a shit about you know the fact that you're like Jimmy's like clone sister, whatever. You know, you were, you had a counter narrative to that, and yet the still the show doesn't really do anything with that. Like I think it would be interesting if the show like kept having characters saying like you want to be the new Jimmy, and Mew's like no, I don't really want to be Jimmy. I'd want to be my own person. Uh, which fully enough ties into the criticism I have of the again, ending and yes. what Muse true needs totally, to, turns out to totally. be. Totally, look, I mean, I again, I think that these char- these two characters were like robbed of their humanity because, like you said, mm-hmm. irony. Being. You know, she was totally like, you know, I D G A. Yeah, about about her uh, sort of um, who she was or whatever, finding herself. But then it's sort of it becomes not about her. Like she becomes like this stand in for all of humanity, asking these existential questions and feeling alone and needing to be recognized by another person or acknowledged. Um, and like, I appreciate that. And I even think that as like a human being subconsciously, you know, she's, she went through that. I mean, we all, I think that that's a pretty universal experience, but it just was not, part of her character as presented on screen until until mm. it was suddenly <laughs> which it, it just it felt so wrong but anyway go ahead yeah 
Exactly. All right, so I have two more talking points. I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to try and get through them as quickly as I can, even though I think they're going to be quite incendiary. So I'll get the more incendiary one out of the way first. Um, I am going to point out that I did speak about this before Black Lives Matter came about, which in of itself I should point out is a very, very worthwhile cause. Um, so this point I'm going to make, my, you might think to yourself like he's bringing it up because this is a thing that's happening in the wider world. And I will come to my own defense and say that I did talk about this previously with you and just said to put that in the back of your mind for the end of the show. But I will also say that even if I hadn't, it's still something we need to address. I think this show, whitewashing Jimi Hendrix into Jimmy Stone 3 is a massive mistake. I think they should have done that. Because it's true that so much of... I mean, funnily enough, uh, shouts to Rexin, one of our patrons, he linked a, a video in which... Um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He was um, He's a black musician. I'm going to look it up now, actually. Uh, where is it? 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 I really should have had this handy first off before getting to this point. I'm such a fucking moron. Uh, here we are. Yeah, it was Nile Rogers uh, and how he helped create, like, you know, the riff uh, behind David Bowie's Let's Dance. You know? Mm. Black musicians, like, have created some incredible work over the years. Like, Hendrix himself, of course, being no exceptions to that. So I could kind of let the show get away with turning Kurt Cobain into a young girl. Whatever. But the fact that some of the musicians such as Prince pretty much remain exactly as they were in real life and yet you've whitewashed Jimi Hendrix into this character I've why there has to have been a conscious choice did they or did they not simply not think about it I still stand by what I said before which I think this was a criminal error on their part Mm. you can't you can't like the you know his race was a part of it like I mentioned the history about how he was like part of the Vietnam War briefly you know, he was still living at the time when Jim Crow was in the action. So I'm sorry to say, show, but you really shouldn't have fucking done that. Yeah, to it, I mean, okay, to, like invoke him as a personality, and then not explore any of that stuff um, feels pretty. Uh, um, it's tacky as fuck, cheap. mate. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. and do you know yeah. what the, you know what the crazy thing is though, like because he, as I understand it, um, and I could be wrong on this. Like, him having the name Stonefree, I got the impression that he was adopted into the Stonefree family, at least in the show's terms. And, they're, and they are black, those characters. But right. you know we you know what we said before about the idea of this critique in the music industry? How crazy and how interesting would it have been if they used GB as a criticism of how, like, you know, white artists have historically exploited the, black, the talents of black musicians? That could have been... <laughs> That could have been kind of awesome if they did that. Like that was right there uh, for them to do. That could have been well, this interesting. Is, this, this is like this. I mean, I would have this, hated this them is to cult. have Jimi Hendrix be the avatar by which you were going to do that through. But it still would have been interesting. Well, this is kind of a uh, like a, a similar thing that I've said about the idea of the Ghost in the Shell live action film featuring oh, Scarjo being, uh, you know, in, in in of itself, like you know about race erasure. Uh, because basically they cast ScarJo in that role because she's a well-known actress, not because it would have made, even though it makes perfect sense for them to cast an Asian actress in an Asian role. Now, however, I will say this, which is that if they had legitimately written the Ghost in the Shell story about the idea of ScarJo being the major and then having it be entirely about the idea that her racial identity and in turn her cultural identity was taken from her by putting her in the body of this, you know, Caucasian woman robot whatever you want to call it like if you go head on into that if you go straight into it then you can do something with it but when you're literally doing it for the cynical reason of we just want a recognizable female actress that's when it's shit 
And that is similar here where I think they they had literally gone straight on into it. They dive right into it, you know, not being cowardly about it. They could have done something interesting with this. But no, Jimi Hendrix has been turned to Jimmy Stone for he's he's white because well, yeah, I well, know, and son of a I mean, look, but it's, but it's bullshit. We know, <laughs> we know, we know why. Um, well, this also similarly to the complaint I had in the Prince episode where they had Lisa and Wendy kiss, but obviously we're not going to show that on screen. You know, if you're going to feature a character, if, if you're going to feature an artist in real life who has like you know, like sexuality is all about his metier, if you want to call that, and in turn has two female members of his band who are all about that. Maybe don't cop out on it. You know, maybe don't like, you know, pretend that the LGBTQ plus elements behind him, the queer elements behind his music don't exist. Or are we just going to put it off to the side? Mm, yeah. Fuck's sake, it, come it on. It wasn't uh, enough, right? Like it it was kind of like around in the, in the milieu of the city in that episode. You kind of... I don't know. They just it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I, I agree. But with sometimes, you. Sub, some sometimes subtext really is for cowards, you know. So um. So yeah, I think so. I'm sticking to my guns on yeah. that one. I think then whitewashing Jimmy is a, is one of, is a fucking terrible mistake. I would legitimately like to know what Daisato's um logic was on that. What was the decision behind that? Like that in and of itself would be interesting. But given his interview, <laughs> probably. But g- g- give it given his interview history here, I'm expecting him just to stare <laughs> blankly if he was asked that. <laughs> well, I, Jinsan and I collaborated, and this was the character design, and that's it. That's that's the answer. <laughs> oh, sweet heavens. Um. Okay. Um. I guess uh, I will t- like talk about uh, some earless stuff. Uh, in episode, I think it's episode twelve. You know, I talked about earlier that there's kind of some different accounts of the genesis of the earless, and you get in episode twelve the account from listeners, King of the Earless, where they say, you know, we showed up and we were different, but we wanted to know. We had this sort of voracious knowledge, right? It's almost like hmm. a being kind of came and just suddenly became self-aware, right? that hadn't been before mm-hmm. and so they wanted to know about themselves and they want to know about humans these other creatures in their in their world and so they like absorbed human emotion human expression all this stuff and you saw where they ended up they ended up this like uh really kind of uh oppositional force to humanity and but the way Moo puts it, I think, is interesting because she says, as listeners, right? Um, she, I did it again. Ding, um, ding. She says, uh, w- the place we we came to was originally we were looking to find out who we were. We're asking these questions about the meaning of our lives and everything, and then we came to this place where we said those questions don't even matter anymore. So, mm-hmm. in a way, I think you could also look at the earless and sort of, you know, we t- I talked about like the, the them being kind of this metaphysical instantiation of like human emotion, particularly negative emotion. You could also sort of see them as sort of uh, the instantiation of the history of philosophy and human ideas, 
Mm, um, interesting. Beginning with, again, just kind of total, like, blank uh, slate, a sort of... Tabula, des- tabula rasa. Yeah. Beginning with a desire to know, right? Aristotle's desire to know. And then mm. ending up at, like, this place of, like, meaninglessness and saying, like, well, who the fuck cares? Um, it doesn't even matter. And be- because no one... You know, they arrived at that place, and the, the way they feel is like that no one wants to know them. No one cares about them. No one will acknowledge them. Like, they feel alone. And then, like, you have, like, the final bit of episode 12, where Echo, as the other in the life of, from, from Moo's point of view, reaches out and acknowledges her um mm-hmm. and like this is where this is where i thought you were going to take issue with the show because he says oh i do i do i do i haven't gotten okay. to it yet though. because he says like you're um you're, you're not uh reducible to your role in history or whatever you're you're you you're moo you're my moo and if I think, like, I could, I definitely anticipated you having a problem with this. Is like, you know, oh, I do. So you're, so you're right. You, oh, <laughs> well played, <Doc. laughs> Oh, you, you read me. You blocked my, you blocked my wake up DP. Well done, <laughs> Perry. Um, yes. You know, I could see if you were thinking, uh, what he's doing here is sort of saying, like, I define you, or like I. I'm your reason for being, or I sort of direct your purpose in a way that like Reiji did in Phantom, Requiem for the Phantom, Day Phantom. Oh, hey, everyone um, in Frank's Fat Massive. You know, because it is, Mu is a name that he sort of gave her and called he gave her. her. But I think, I think something different is at play. I think especially because like they're not operating in the empirical world here. Like this is very much a representation of what is going on psychologically between their two consciousnesses. And what's happening is this is like, he's acknowledging her. And when you are a consciousness that's entirely alone, um, you know, being acknowledged requires someone to see you. And I think this is mm-hmm. him saying, like, I see you and I acknowledge you and, like, you're important. More so than, like, yeah. essentially what you are is mine. I don't think it is a possessive kind of thing. No. No, I I mostly agree with you there. Um, I don't think it's in the same... I mean, it still annoyed me for the fact... For something I'll get into in a moment, because I am just generally exhausted and tired and worn out about the idea of, like, you know, this plot thread where a guy is the foundational myth for a woman. <laughs> like, you know... Right. Or in, sure, yeah. Or in, or in fact, let's just take the gender out of it. It just works both ways. It just so happens to be that it's more often than not the man coming in saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you all your reason for living. Uh, one thing I'll just say in response to what you said, like about him recognizing, though, the show really needs to have built up to the point where she felt that needed to happen to her. Oh, yeah, no, you this know. is... Yeah, exactly. I feel like this is another instance of this point that we've been talking about throughout this. Is like, yeah. boy, like, uh, 
if it was going to be about this shit that it is about at the end, why did we get everything else on the front end that felt like it was not leading up to this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. All right, so just because... You talking about the end scene is also my final talking point, so I'll just address what you said. Like, yeah, sick of the foundational myth shit. Can we just move on from it? Uh, secondly, uh, the whole, you know, holding hands and flying down this hole kind of thing uh, is, there, is the power move from Erica 7. But again, I didn't care. So. <laughs> well, it's, it, listen, and it's the, it's the super dimensional force Macross episode two move, you know. Yeah, also. you've got to earn moments like that. <laughs> just, just throw it in there. You've got to earn. I wrote it before, <laughs> so I can do it again. <laughs> There's a power. It's like room. Golden Strelissia all over <laughs> again from Frank's. You know, it's going to do the arm pose thing, and it's going to look badass. Except it's being piloted by two chuckle folks that we don't care about. Great. Um, okay, so this that, but there's something else I want to mention as well. Um, my understanding of the earless was that, as you say, they're a formless existence, and the thing is, as I get it, Mew like. Basically, she isn't Jimmy's sister more that she's the queen or king of the earless, uh, taking on a form inspired by Jimmy. Okay. Do you do you agree with me so far? I that's go, my, yeah, that's I mean, I can go I with that. I don't really have a hard like and fast theory in terms of like like what is Moo? Like I'm not sure, right? But I can let's yes, let's go there. So here's the thing, right? You were saying about, like, you know, how it's not Echo doing it in a possessive sense. No, he's not. I don't think he's doing it like, say, Hero does in Franks. But this is still a problem for me because if this is meant to be a reconciliation between these two races, there's a sense of anthropomorphism that's being imposed on Mew here that I think defangs uh, that whole point, like, takes the bite out of it. You know, that she's still maintaining a human form. Like, okay, there's men's, like, you know, the whole point that they've, like, you know, started fighting was because the Earless were so unrecognizable as shadowy creatures. And we're going to overcome this great divide by having the queen still be human looking. Okay. Like, this is a problem, I think, when you get, like, into defining, like, a lot of alien cultures in that there's still mm-hmm. a sen- a, a, an unconscious desire on the right's part to make them human or, like, humanoid or, like, anthropomorphize them. If you had just, like, reverted to, like, a regular realist, like, the one that, say, the Fink Ployed lady was, you know, talking <laughs> to... Um, also, by the way, well, didn't she say, like, they were the spirits of the dead? But how can that... Uh, Holy you know, shit! Even, like, <laughs> You're right, man. I'm not even... Like, oh, God um, damn it. What? You know, let's not there's even a lot of, There's a lot you know, of myths speaks. about what they're... Listen, let's believe... Let's believe the earless themselves when they tell their story and not the gnome princess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's my point. That's my point, basically. I think that the fact that, you know... While it's not a possessive thing, the fact that, like, you know, Echo wins the day by saying, like, okay, you imprinted yourself off someone else, and I'm happy with you staying imprinted rather than going back to what you really should have been in your own right, which is your own form, the way you, the earless, normally do look. Maybe he's, like, recognizing yeah, her humanity, un- right, despite her inhumaneness, or, well, or that, well, not well, inhumaneness, well, but, like, well, different, but despite her difference, right, or different speciesness, or may so... I so here's some mental gymnastics, right? I mean, this is I freely admit that this is highly speculative, but like, what if you know nothing about the earless, the way they looked changed? What if this was just sort of like, you know, when you dehumanize someone, like this is sort of what you're doing perceptionally to them, but if you grant them their humanity 
you see that, you know what, they actually are more similar to me than I than I even thought before. I would I would agree if you were not for the fact that in the ending, uh, in the post-credits ending, episode 13, we see human earless hybrids or like earless who've taken on a human form wandering well that's what i mean like maybe they maybe they're just earless and they're ju- they're just the same but they look different i do think i just think it's very our perception i just think changed. it's i just think it's very contradictory of the show to say like okay humans feared them and they went to war because they look so unusual and the solution to that is to make them look more like us well i think tommy at one point says we're all the same players humans earless like, and I think that that is <laughs> kind of maybe that sort of unity is is what he's going for. But I mean, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I mean, I'm not the show. If it wanted to avoid this objection, could have been uh, could have done things to to readily do that. So yeah, I don't. It could. That's the thing. I think. I think I have a. I have an issue with this show in general is it plays a lot of stuff very safe. Mm-hmm. I think that Jimmy being whitewashed is a, is a unconscious perhaps even, but still an act of playing it safe, which is something I must again, stress. I vehemently disagree with like, yeah. you know, but um, I just don't know if I'm clear on think, like the, li- the, the earless being non-humans even like, I don't know. I don't hell man. I don't know. <laughs> Like Echo it's, it's can weird. like it's... turn into a player at will. <laughs> Anything is fair game. <laughs> That's it. We're off the rails at this point. Like, who gives a shit? Things just happen because they need to. But it's all in service, like of whatever. Like, I don't even like. I'm not even saying. I, I like your ideas, by the way, about how you know. Okay, the emotion going out into the wider world, like, and not just simply being self-contained, like you know, personal internal trauma, like that. I think could be really interesting. Um, But I just wish that the characters had more to them. So that way that that internalized element was there and then it played into that. Because otherwise I just don't give a shit, you know? And that's really my response to so much of this show. Like when it works, it works well, but it never truly set my world on fire. No, Um, it me, me too. And, and I think that it makes some mistakes in the name of trying to play it safe. Um, which sucks. And it really does feel like sometimes they were writing stuff on the sea of the pants rather than having a co- comprehensive plan throughout the entire show. I agree. <sighs> I think I think it's disappointing. As a Daisato show, it is disappointing. as a MAPPA show, as a sort of spiritual uh, kind of... Follow-up is not the right word, but like a spiritual fo- uh, ancestor... No, not ancestor. Uh, progenitor. What's the Fo- right word? Sequel? Like a sequel. Yeah, the the later in the family tree one, the spiritual family tree of Erica Seven. Uh, is this a is a disappointment? Oh, it's, it doesn't hold a can. It doesn't hold a candle to it. It tries to go for the same beast. Like the whole idea. Like I mean, the, in Erica Seven, like you know, Erica is meant to be the representative of this race of aliens called the Corallians. You know, who are themselves incredibly inhuman, like you know, looking, and her and Renson like forming a relationship is meant to be a wider like you know bridging of the gap, much as it is here with uh, Mew and Echo. Like, 
it is pretty much the same story and the same ending. It just lacks all of the beats that made it interesting. Even despite it, as I say, try to do something different with the musicians it brings in, which is to its credit, like it does some interesting stuff with that. There's some neat visuals. The Prince episode was great. The Valentine one was good because it actually used them in a way that mm-hmm. helped the story proper by having the veterans teach the newbies, you know? That wow. works, in my opinion. And that... And then, of course, we had Spooky Silent. Spooky Silent was great. Yes, Spooky Silent was great. And th- that finale of episode 12 was not a million miles away from some of the some of the ground they cover in the last Evangelion episodes. But again, it's just nowhere near that level of like exploring kind of the human condition, exploring those issues, having characters that you truly care deeply about these things happening to mm-hmm. I mean, just, yeah, that comparison, again, falls so very, very, very short. I think of all all the kind of uh, clear inspirations that it has in the mecha genre, like, it is just lesser than those things. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sorry to say, uh, Sasso-san, but, like, I obviously, I understand, like, you don't want to necessarily compare your own ways. Like, that's hard as a crazy. Like, you don't want to compare stuff to it, like tends to view it quite negatively but if you are going to like so deeply go into it being like you know erica seven's plot points uh, and beats retread the comparisons are inevitable and it does not hold up just have them have them it not wear red and blue jackets i mean uh red and white jackets like that, that would also work <laughs> that's a thing that you do on purpose and yeah <laughs> also why why could no one ever take off echoes headgear like is he meant to if he took it off would you see that he was earless in fact um it's like it's like um josero kujo's uh hat because like you know he's recovered like i mean and, and granted this turns out to be happening in his own mind but he's like totally naked except for a towel and he's been cleaned thoroughly by this uh by by uh janice just like, didn't take the headgear off you're gonna clean just not clean his hair or his ear just like no just leave this thing on i'll wash everything else make him new clothes just leave this on why why yeah why oh, anyway it's a silly well, it's a um, silly I'm, thing but but yeah i think we're done here with listeners we've done it. i i will i will finish off just by saying that like in that interview uh daisato says you know the theme of this show is noise apparently i don't know what the fuck that means but what i will say is that it means <laughs> i you know can make i can <laughs> What the fuck does noise like noise? Come on, man! Like Jesus Christ! If you watched the last episode, <laughs> you'll understand. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to. I'd have to ponder it some more. Well, I could. Well, well, that means I can call listeners what it is though, because Daisasu has given me the word to use, Aww. and it's just really white noise. That's harsh. That's what it is. Is is it, it is the anime equivalent of white noise? It's not offensive, you know. If I look hard enough, maybe I'll see a pattern or two in there. But there's a lot else I'd rather be watching. Well, that's. For better or I agree for worse. with the last bit. For show. Okay, do we want to do Sorry. we want to run down our um our future uh well, goings on? Well, we got we've got a we've got a rate we've got a rate. <sighs> Must you know, we, we got to do our ratings. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh yeah, okay, so I'm going to I'm going to give the show like a six and a half out of 10. I mean, I think it's above average, but I don't think it's um anything that uh will be remembered fondly um in the coming years yeah 
I don't think many people were even talking about it while I was there. I know that um, I think it was Nick from AM was doing reviews of it, but other than that, I don't recall seeing it on my timeline whatsoever. I know, um, me neither. For, for me, my rating is going to be that I'm, uh, I'm going to give the show basically uh, two and a half, like, you know, AC 30 amps out of five. It is middle of the road, it is milk toast. it is average, and when I say average, that doesn't mean it's consistently average throughout. There are some bits that are shit and some bits that are good, but that just evens it out to a kind of bland stew in the end. And the fact that, as I said before, that it makes use of artists like Prince and their likeness and their music and such uh, to such little effects is probably the most damning thing about this show. What? what? Yeah. Don't disagree, my friend. All right, well, that yeah all right well that brings us to the end of that discussion so let's talk about uh the new format doc would you be willing to uh talk tell us all about it yeah uh so here's what we're gonna do going forward um because we were sort of pushed by necessity to do podcasts um by the way if if if, if it seems like you know if you're only subscribed to us on youtube this is gonna be like the first live thing that you've seen in forever we've been doing podcasts you know you can subscribe on on apple pods on spotify google Podcasts, anchor um anywhere you get your pods no more soundcloud uh but but the rest of it you know any any place that you subscribe to podcasts um via a podcatcher or rss you should be able to search for us and find find us there but we've been doing um ones that cover like larger swaths of a series and so we're going to kind of do that because it will allow us to talk about more thing, more content per episode, uh, per mm-hmm. podcast, and it will uh, allow us to cover more shows in a season. So and we're going to do a rotating kind of schedule, and you'll we we will create a publicly viewable Patreon post that explains all this in more detail. So look for that, and yes. we'll reference that in, in future YouTubes uh, for the YouTube folks. Uh, but and, and we'll include it in podcast show notes too. But um, basically, we are going to have like three shows a season we cover, and the first week that we're doing these new podcasts, we'll be covering episodes one, two, and three of show A. The next week, episodes one, two, and three of show B. The following week, episodes one, two, and three of show C. And then week number Mm -hmm. four, we will switch back to show A and cover the next three episodes, four, five, and six, and so on and so forth. Now, that's right. In a normal season, we would not have any trouble, I think, uh, picking out shows to cover or polling you guys for shows to cover, um, our patrons and or the public. But um, as far as non-sequels go, uh, it's looking like um, there's going to be a little bit of uh, <laughs> wasteland uh, for, mm-hmm. for, for, for good shows. So we are, in the meantime, because there's a couple weeks left until the new season starts and gets underway, um, because, you know, since we'll be covering three episodes per podcast, um, then we, we have some time on the front end of the season as well that will be, you know, nothing going on. Um, 
what we will what we will do in the interim is uh, we got a lot of patron requests um, that originally we were going to do like audio essays about them. But I think what we're going to do to cover that content for you all is turn those into podcast discussions. Still take a lot of notes, still watch the shows, but then we'll give, we'll do a podcast on the entire show or entire season or whatever that we were asked to. And that'll be what we do in the interim between now and when we start covering either new shows from summer or retro content that you guys want us to cover in episodic, you know, sort of chunks. Did I leave anything out? That's right. No, I think we got everything there. Uh, So yeah, look out for that public patron post for more uh, detailed description for us to reference back to. Uh, But yeah, we've got changes coming about. We're going to have free shows on the go now, not two. And man, I just, I think back to Vinland Saga in particular. Um, Yeah. And there were some weeks where it really felt like, boy, we're just talking about the same Mm. stuff as we talked about last time, the show's a little, being a little wheel spinning. Yeah. And like this, I think this format will cut down on that. Like of any given three episode span, I feel like there will be something new to talk about. And if there's not, yes, that's a big talking point. If like we've watched six episodes yeah. of this anime and the first three, we talked about nothing. something and this three, there's nothing new to talk about. That's a problem. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, exactly. Because it is true that some shows are better suited to that kind of format. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to give it a shot, see how it goes. Um, and we'll be looking forward to having you all come along and join us for the uh, on the way. Yes, indeed. But, uh, and we will, like, again, the patreon.com uh, slash waterweedeshow. Uh, if you're not a patron, you'll still be able to read how we're going to break this down and, and do this and how we'll f- sort of figure out what we're going to cover um, during the season. All that stuff will be there. So, uh, and I'm sure we'll tweet about it at Waterway Death Show as well. So watch those spaces. Yep. Um, but I think I think that's the end of the show. Um, yeah, I'll just mention by the way that we're gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna be doing more side content as well. Um, Final Fantasy VII is ongoing, so you can expect we're that. Streaming it. Um, You're streaming we'll, it. Yep. We'll also, we'll also be doing some uh, more after hours at some point near in the future so if you are a patron of ours uh, do start to get those questions in our discord again yes uh, and you know if you want to support us financially definitely check us out on patreon.com forward slash show you can get yourself discord ask- access from that uh, and be well placed to start asking us questions about the shows we're covering help us choose them as well for that yeah yep. uh, and of course we're always up for you know a like subscribe follow share etc etc smashing all the social media buttons on wherever you may find us be it twitter youtube uh, anchor etc uh, and you can also send uh, emails to us at worrydesho at gmail.com. We're always happy to have constructive feedback on that. Um, and before we sign off, um, I will just mention again that um, your patience and understanding during this time while we've been off the air a little bit has been incredible. It, honestly, I'm really, 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 really humbled that people have been willing to wait this long for us. Like, I don't know if I'd have had the same patience necessarily in your shoes. Uh, but that just speaks to the quality of our audience. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for that. I really, really do appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, before we go, I'll just mention, of course, that with everything that's happening, like, you know, COVID has not gone away. Uh, despite whatever, you know, those fucking idiots going to, you know, Dorset or whatever might think. Uh, you know, so do be safe. Wear a mask, wear a face covering, like, you know, like that. I have a bike smock somewhere that I use, you know. Um, I don't have it tanned, unfortunately. 
Um, but I do look like a, a really, really shitty Mortal Kombat villain when I wear it. But you know what? It'll keep people safe. That's the most important thing. So respect people's distance, you know, do what you can. Um, but more importantly than anything else, just take care of yourself and your loved ones. Be safe, be healthy. Um, we'll get through it, you know. It's been rough, but I'm not going to pretend it's not been. But we will get through it. So on that note, we'll say our goodbyes. Thank you very much, everyone, who's joined us for the live stream. And if you may be catching them on VOD, thank you for listening too. Uh, we say goodbyes to listeners now. Uh, I will say if you get the chance to watch Erica 7 because it is phenomenal. It is basically everything that this show should have been but failed at. Uh, and I can unreservedly recommend it. And with that, thank you very much from myself, from Doc, uh, from Valerie as well, who unfortunately can't be with us at the moment because she is currently working on a triple A PS5 game, no less. Returnal. <laughs> Returnal. She's uh, doing programming. That... Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, but from all of us here at Warrior Dash Show, thank you very much again. Stay safe, take care. And as we're often fond of saying on this podcast, embrace your everyone. It's the end of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. 